I'm Angelique Brochet, and this is Marvel's Voices. Here's the cool thing about being a cultural journalist, particularly one who deals with fandoms and the nerd world, is that as big as the family is, it is really, 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 really small. And I had the opportunity to ironically be in like the same internet circle with this brilliantly funny, very culturally aware, very proud and just knowledgeable geek girl named Preeti Chibber. And one of the things that you must know about Preeti is that she loves a lot of things. She loves YA novels and hate mances. She loves good movies. But one thing she loves above all things is Peter Parker. She is one of the biggest Spider-Man fans I have ever met in my entire life. In fact, when Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 came out, all of us were very excited, but it was me and Preeti uh, who were having online discussions about which DLC we were finished with or how we were definitely trying to sneak in some time to play the game, even though we really had deadlines to meet. And she has incredible analysis of geek culture, but also particularly about representation and what the world looks like through diverse eyes, whether it is Asian American Pacific Islander, whether it is being a woman in America, whether it is just being a geek girl within multiple fandoms. She's just absolutely incredible, but she's also a ball of energy. Like she literally, you can't be upset around Preeti because she will smile and be like that positive energy in the room and you know I'm just I'm really glad we had her in to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal which came out June 4th and you know what you just just go pick it up it's adorable and funny and sweet and there's so many amazing tidbits and so much attention to detail it, it is literally the kind of detail that only someone who truly loves Peter Parker could give to this work. This is Preeti Chibber's story. That was in 2018. A long time ago. I mean, it feels like 2018 was 10 Eight years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you had secrets. I Last did. Time I, I, to I you. did have secrets. Um, I announced some of those secrets in this very room on the Women of Marvel podcast a couple mm, couple months ago now. Yeah, which is that I wrote a Spider Man book. <gasps> ah! Which is why I donned all of my Spider Man. I know. I so appreciate it. Your love for Peter Parker is strong. I love Peter Parker. I just think he's such a great character. But here's the thing: what people don't know, it's not just like you love Peter Parker because Peter Parker is Spider Man. Like. You have a deep, defined understanding of why you love Peter Parker. Yeah. And I have so much respect for that. Thank you. I do. I mean, I just think he's such a, I I love a character. You know, there's a reason I think that Peter is one of the most popular characters in, in Marvel canon. And part of that is how relatable he is and how many times he makes the wrong decision. How many of us have been in that space where you're like, I could do this or I could do that. And one is going to end so badly for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I also love the girl. And I love the girl. All the girls. 
so many girls. I mean, he's got great taste in girls. We were, I was, at, were we talking about this and we how t- he likes yes. up? Like he, he oh, always he, dates. He dates above he gets his upgraded. station. He uh-huh. gets upgraded every single mm-hmm. time. And I love me some Peter. He is a brilliant young man. He is, but, but he is a mess. <laughs> he is a mess. His life is a mess. We both played that game. We saw what that room we, looked like. Look, he is. There's <laughs> one constant. No, there are two constants to Peter Parker, and I won't mention the sad one. But the other mm. one is that his life is a mess. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how often Peter is on the up and up. He's always going to come back down to our level, our, like, real people level of, you know, I, I didn't pay my bill. Oops. And like, then he gets a pizza, and he sits in his favorite building, and then he goes and fights crime. It's perfect. It's exactly if I was a superhero. That's not true. I want transportation. Like, I want to teleport places. That's you would the, be Blink. That's the, I would be Nightcrawler. Ooh. Yes. Why Nightcrawler? Because I would be Blink. If I had a yeah. choice, I would open up portals and I, bring people with me through the portal. I wouldn't feel no, like I needed to grab. you don't want to go to, like... <laughs> Into like the hell dimension. <laughs> no, that is not the <laughs> option like, I want. But there's like a, the dream to be that angsty. Like I'm not. I am like mm. a secret angsty person. I am not an a- person who wears my angst on my sleeve. Oh, I'm. I definitely was that angsty kid. Nope. As a high schooler. Nope. I mean, I love emo as as much as the next millennial. However, however, like, <laughs> comma, however, like there's a dream to be the level of angst that Nightcrawler can angst. He does brood he he's so good at brooding lot. like but it's almost like a beautiful brood it is a beautiful like brood. you want to watch nightcrawler brood there do you remember winamp <laughs> everyone listen is like oh my god no wow you so, just took me back to freshman yeah, year of high freshman school year, so so i had a winamp skin <gasps> when i was in college and it was a nightcrawler silhouetted Stop. in front of a moon winamp skin because i have always been a huge nerd but it's like so beautiful. I mean, I'm not judging you. I had the Super Mario Bros. Yeah, see? It's fine. You see here? Every actually I had a full folder of Winamp yeah. skin, <laughs> skins. Like Diego Luna. I really appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> that we talk we talk millennial. Uh, but old millennial, not old millennial. Like, X-lineal. Yeah, we're not the Zennials. Yeah. We're <laughs> Oh my gosh! So you had secrets. You left New York. Mm-hmm. I, you spent like okay, and then a, it's it's it the it's born like it's there. It hasn't been released. It comes out in June. It comes out June fourth. Um, it's Peter and Ned's ultimate travel guide, travel journal. Oh my god! Oh Ned, I've, I'm sick and been traveling myself. I want but Ned to be my best friend. Ned is I I love Jacob Batalon and how he plays this character so much. I love the dynamic between him and Tom Holland's Peter. And so it was super fun to get to write the two of them. I'm writing from both of their perspectives, which was like such a joy. And I can say that because there are preview pages on the internet. Also, that the show cover such. is everything that it's I wanted. It's so cute. It's like, it is like Peter took a crayon yeah. and just decided that he was going to make so. his journal pretty. Yep. In his own Peter Parker type way. My notes when I was writing the manuscript was all in Word, but I had to like be like font choices. I'm like, this is Peter's voice. This is Ned's voice. Wait, what were the font choices? I want to know. Like Comic Sans. Oh no, sorry, font color choices. So, so what was Peter? Peter was red. I mean, so you you are a a believer that Spider Man is red. I like red in the suit, and I like blue in the suit. (laughs) 
And I like, I like, I love a good Spidey suit. This is Preeti Chipper trying not to be added on the internet <laughs> on deciding what color Spider-Man is. I like all of the suits. That's not true. I don't like all the suits. But I do, I do like a lot of the suits. <laughs> oh, I knew this. Oh, okay. Don't okay. at me. <laughs> okay, so what was Ned's color? Uh, Ned was green. Okay. Yeah, Ned was okay. green um, for no reason whatsoever. There is no, I this think I just random, decided. There's no conspiracy theory. There's no conspiracy theory there. There's nothing related to any sort of villains or anything. <laughs> um, but Ned was green, and it was, which was very, very Christmassy now that I'm thinking back on it. Um, but you got to write two best friends. I got to write two best friends, which was really fun because, you know, they have their own language a little bit, and they do in the film as oh, well. Yeah. And so that was really fun to do to like get to explore the dynamic between the two of them through this like kind of silly, fun, like middle grade novel. You know, this book's for like eight to 12 year olds. Were, were there Legos involved? There were not. They were traveling. It's too okay, heavy. It's, it's a good, I mean, this is Ned we're talking There's about. There's a weight limit on your suitcase. This is Ned we're talking I know. about here. Look, I, they, their you were packing practical. lists. I hear you. Their packing lists went through edits. Oh, wait, several edits. There's a packing list. Yes, I'm so excited about this. It's fun. It's I mean, like, it is a travel journal. It's a travel journal. It's a combination of like their notes to each other and like you know um, itineraries from the from from the chaperones and like text messages and emails and like it's it's a really fun book. It re- <laughs> it's very zillennial. It's very zennial. <laughs> Oh wow, Zennial is really a word. It's very, it? it's very. I was born in 1996. There's a lot of judgment in your voice over here on these 90. I'm not going to tell you what I was doing in 96. No, exactly. The judgment is not on the 1996er. It's the judgment on the year that I was born. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited about this book, uh, and mm-hmm. I think this. And the coolest thing about this, and it's not your first time being published. No. Um, because you were first published in A Thousand Beginnings and Endings, mm-hmm. um, which we've talked about previously, mm-hmm. uh, which I, the whole concept of representation in that book and being able to craft narratives outside of Western homogeny in this concept mm-hmm. of bringing culture and normalcy to editing yeah. is great. This is very different than that. This is very <laughs> different than that. I, I was, you know, I was a little nervous when um, when I got the email asking if it was something I would be interested in. Mm. Uh, you know, I freelance on the side. I do, I do like uh, pop culture press stuff on the side, as you know. And I got this email that was like Marvel Press, and I assumed it was for New York Comic Con. I assumed it was going to be like something that like come interview this creator, whatever. So I just like checked the email, and I'm looking at it, and like. I had to read it twice because I was like, what? <laughs> they want they want me to do what? Oh, write a Spider-Man book. How hard was it to keep that? Because you, like, I don't know if folks can tell from from the audio and hopefully from the video <laughs> clips. 
of the show. Like you were a ball of love and joy <laughs> and energy. And even when you were sitting in front of me as we were talking about the secret, you were literally moving in your chair because you're like, I can't, I can't tell, tell anyone. I can't tell. I, How like, hard was it to keep I'm a this secret? Terrible secret keeper. I'm so bad. And I was stalking your Twitter. I was like, what is this? Like even I was like, what is the secret she's <laughs> keeping like, from the world? I was so nervous. I was like, I will not give them any reason to take it away from me. But I still was like, oh my God, how do I not tell anybody what I'm working on? It was so hard. Like one person knew, which was um, a literary agent friend of mine who like who looked over the contract for me basically. Okay. And I was like, oh, thank God. I so, need someone, someone I can talk to. I need someone to, so I can be like, ah. Why did it mean so much to you? Like, I mean, it's particularly as a person who gets to help other people craft their stories and talk to storytellers. I know my answer, but I just... You're so excited. <laughs> I mean, you. I've been reading Spider-Man for years and years and years, and I've watched the movies. And, and when Homecoming came out, I had been waiting for a film to get Peter Parker right. I feel like we've seen Spider-Man on film, and, and he's been done well, but I felt like no one had ever gotten what I loved about Peter Parker so much, like that kind of like, you're down on your luck, but you keep going anyway sort of thing, right? Like when everything is going wrong, you're like, you still make the decision to do and fight for good and yeah. on and and for people who are unable to fight for themselves. And so I've and and do so while kind of being this like goofy kid who, you know, has all these things going wrong in his life and like nothing is like every time he thinks he did the right thing, it like just goes horribly sideways. And I just loved Homecoming so much. Like it was I think my favorite Spider Man movie when I finally saw it, I was like, that's it. List is gone. This is it. And so getting able to be a part of that in some small way as both as like a writer, as a woman of color, you know, we're not always represented on the creative side. And it, it was just super exciting. You know, I got to I got to instill a part of myself in the in the Peter Parker MCU canon. And that's incredible like I it's not something I would have even imagined for myself 10 years ago yeah and like uh, we we've had lots of conversations about your love of books I do I'm a huge um, huge reader particularly YA novels and we yep. will get uh to this idea of hate manses which <laughs> you taught me it is all your fault uh but when did you first get into comic books oh well I have an older brother as I think is the story with so many so many people like I can remember picking far too young picking up the death of superman issue like i was like Ugh. way too little to be reading it but i wanted to read something that was my first comic book my this is my first comic book really? my dad gave me was the the trade yeah. for the death of superman with the like the cape and the thing and the i mean a vague recollection of the cover now but i just picked it up and i was like i didn't i you know i loved that this was like that was my first introduction to superhero kind of comics. Prior to that, Archie comics. I don't know what it is. Indian people love Archie comics. Like, it's like a real thing. It is. Because Archie, there's something about the publication where, like, they shipped a ton of Archie over to India. And so when my parents immigrated, they brought all these Archie comics with them. And I grew up on Archie. Like, I grew up reading Archie comics using my allowance to buy them in the drugstore <laughs> like it was like 1967 or something. I mean, like, but that's where you know. could get them. It was easily accessible. You can get yeah. them right next to a magazine. Yeah, and they were like $2.50. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just, I would like buy that and some candy and that was like my Saturday treat. And so how did we get into 
Marvel. Marvel. So do you, I love the X-Men, like the X-Men cartoon series from when we were little. They're like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That brought me into the world of Marvel. And of course, Spider-Man came very quickly after that. And uh, because my older brother was reading all these comics and picking up like, once I picked up that that Superman issue, I just kind of raided his stash. I was like, this is amazing. It's not just teenagers going to the chocolate shop. Like, who knew? So <laughs> I quickly became enamored with, like, uh, Peter Parker. And I loved Gambit and Rogue and Nightcrawler. Like, those were my jams. Like, those were, like, the characters I felt like had to work so hard to be understood. And yet mm-hmm. were so, like, so many different facets of being misunderstood. That's interesting. And were you... Born in the I was States? I was born here. My parents immigrated over in the seventies. That is a heck of a time to come to the U.S. Yep. <laughs> um, it, it, so for you, like, I, and I hear the same, and I think it's gorgeous. It's this idea of these big-hearted, mm-hmm. um, kind of goofy, yep, very funny, yep. Uh, folks who just want to do good in the world. I mean, that's the key. I mean, I feel like you're defining yourself and I'm <laughs> here for or it. Or I was defined by it, right? I was mm. defined by these characters who, despite everything, despite all of it, like still made those active decisions yeah. because that's the hardest thing to do, I think. Especially like, and it's such an important lesson to instill in kids who are reading these books of like, it's so easy to, to do nothing. It's so easy to kind of like turn turn your face away, like to not pay attention to what's going on around you. But it's so important to do otherwise. And I love having heroes that teach us that that's what's important. Like that's what Spider-Man does. Yeah. Like in every issue, in every story, like it's about at, at its core. I mean, we know with great power comes great, great responsibility, responsibility. But with every, everyone has that power. Because even when like, what I love is like even when Peter loses his powers, even when he's in an instance where he is helpless or broken or tired, he still gets up to do the right thing, even though he might not have that power. And I think that is very inspiring to people who may not feel like they have power, that you can mm-hmm. do good in whatever way that wh- however you define it. So in starting this project, yeah, which you wrote in. Three I weeks? wrote this book in like three three weeks, I feel like. Who you are superhuman. <laughs> um what were the things that you just knew had to be part of this work? I mean, so this work is very, very much associated with Far From Home, which is gonna make this difficult to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that I can't say, but what I can say is that I tried to be very conscientious about what I was bringing into the novel and who was being talked about in the novel. Mm. So, you know, I mean, there were some like silly things I wanted to do. Like I wanted to have a bunch of bad jokes in there. Like I love a good pun. I love, I love like Spidey's like nervous tendency and like awkward tendency to like cut the tension with a joke. A good quip is always. A good quip is Always so fun. appropriate. So like I definitely wanted to put like f- find a way to like you know bring that into it. Um, there are a lot of like silly like friendship things like we talked about. I wanted to do, and then in terms of like uh, 
I think we can tell from the posters that they go to a lot of different places mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like trying to think of what's public right now. I'm like, what is public that we can discuss? Um, so we know lots they, of friendships. They go to a lot of lots of friendships. They go to a lot of different places. And so when I was talking about those places, I tried to be very careful and and. Um, thoughtful about the way those places were represented and how, mm. you know, um, American kids might interact with somewhere that's not home. Yeah. And that notion of, like, what home is and what traveling is and what friendship is and how all those things intersect. Yeah, and I think that broadens the conversation, right, is that you get this, you get to have a perspective that most people don't have mm-hmm. um, as being first generation, but also as being someone who's lived in New York, as being someone who has edited through other people's books, mm-hmm. has talked to other creatives and really brought your own lived experience and also like your love uh, for creating good characters. Yeah. Um, as a person who has edited other books, um, because I don't think a lot of people know that about you. I mean, I I worked very much on the like I was not an editor, like so to speak. Like I didn't I didn't work in trade editorial. Yeah, uh, I worked as kind of a we called an editor, but it was very much like a quote book buyer. Yeah, um, and I picked books from cross publishing houses before they were published and decided what we sold into schools at, at the YA level. So mm-hmm. those like flyers that you would get. I kind of had a hand in choosing what books go in there. And some of that was you read books early on. And and if you're comfortable, you send a note to the editor to be like, I noticed this thing, you know. (laughs) Um, But it is. It's it's all it's it's an interesting process. You know, you do see sometimes the book from beginning to publication every step of the way and what that means to authors and what that means like to because a book, of course, an author writes a book. However, eight million other people touch it. Yeah, you know everything from design to editors to production to marketing to sales to uh, like finance. Like everyone touches that book. The agent, you know, it comes out and it is the work and the soul of the author who put it out. But it is also representative of so many other people. And so, like that's always something to think about too. You know, it's I very much felt like when I was working with um, my editor over at Disney that it was a partnership. Like it was very much like I I think one time I was like, can we just talk on the phone? I need some help. <laughs> I have a ten email rule. Once we once we've exchanged five emails a piece, we get on the phone. Get on the phone. Get on the phone. You can call me old if you like, but at a point you're gonna lose what you were talking about. But that's really cool. I mean, how does it feel to be on the other side of that? It's weird. Though? It's weird and a little bit like nerve wracking. You know, sometimes you're like, I know too much. <laughs> Because I think about the meetings. You can't fool me. No, I know what that I, word means. More like I think about the meetings that are probably happening where like the book will come up in conversation and I'm like, what are they saying? Like, because ah, I've been in those meetings and I've talked about books. So I know that there's someone like me who's sitting in a room somewhere who has to be like, how are we, we going to market this? Uh, what's her voice like? Does she do well on screen? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Well, which I also think is funny because we've talked about this before is that there is an importance of having a person who gives a diverse opinion yes. in that room as well. Yes. Um, and you have, for a lot of books, been that person um, because it, it does shift. Like, I think we were talking at, at one point about syntax. Mm-hmm. And just sentence structure yeah. and understanding how someone talks and why grammar sometimes can be 
quite arbitrary. It, it's completely when you're building arbitrary. a character, mm-hmm. and the character is supposed to be authentic. Yeah, it just I and I and I, I love your perspective on this because you truly you you don't just like books like you love characters i love character i love story and i love journeys like the reason i love ya so much is that i love coming of age like i love the notion of someone becoming who they're going to be like i just think that's the most interesting journey a character can go on um and i find it absolutely fascinating and so you know to your point like something that is being pushed really hard on the children's side in publishing is better representation not just on the page and not just from the creator but in the house in in the companies themselves because otherwise it's so easy that you know if um for example you know my story in a thousand beginnings and endings mm-hmm. um is a very indian hindu focused story and it is about three friends going to do going to this festival but they have a conversation with the main character's parents who are immigrants and there's a, there are sentence structures of how immigrants might speak, how Indian immigrants might speak, how North Indian, like Gujarati immigrants might speak in America that doesn't flow in the way that a copywriter might agree with. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to have diverse opinions so that you can fight back and say, no, I understand that, you know, AP style or whatever says that these two words should be flip-flopped or whatever, but... That's not how they speak. You know, they speak in a different vernacular, and that's yeah. something to keep in mind. Yeah. But if there's no one else in the room to say that, it'll be majority rules, which is you have to change it, and now it's an inauthentic conversation. And I think that's real because it's the same thing being from the South, particularly being from New Orleans, yeah. being from Baton Rouge. Um, there is a very specific way that my ancestors translated english mm-hmm. um we say things like i'm about to go make grocery and it's it's not that that's actually incorrect it's just the translation making grocery is yeah. a literal translation i mean definition and words they're arbitrary like words change definitions all the time we change the way we speak all the time and you make allowances for some communities and other communities don't get those allowances and that's something to consider yeah. when we think about grammar and what's it what's correct and what's yeah. not and it's like no no do what do whatever you want well and i think that's also like really <laughs> cool because it goes back to you saying that there are also text message conversations mm-hmm. in the journal which i mean come on none of those text message conversations are grammar- grammatically correct i'm sorry like it's a tech it's a text message i i can't say anything you're you're right <laughs> I'm just going to say that authentically are your text message conversations. Nope. Nope. My text messages are riddled with errors. <laughs> My Wait, public facing I'm Twitter sorry. is riddled with errors. I didn't, I didn't mean. Nope. That's not. Sorry. No. Wrong they emoji. Are not, they're, wrong not, emoji. Not, they're not grammatically correct, but they are very much like, you know, when somebody like texts you, you're like, who is? It's me. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not saying who is this. I just, who is? Like period is me (laughs) is me is me (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I I think this is I I, I just love it because also speaking of your Twitter you've been going through this entire process quite publicly (laughs) on Twitter because writing is hard writing is so hard it's so hard and and I you know I I had one of my first conversations with an editor and I almost you inspired me because I went back and I looked at your Twitter and I was like it's hard it's supposed to be hard. It's not this an is easy okay. thing. 
this is okay. This is fine. Yep. <laughs> I can do this. Well, whenever my my <laughs> whenever I get notes back on something, whatever it is, I'll look at them. I'll read them all and then I'll be like, I'm the worst writer who's ever lived yep. for like a day. Yep. For like a full day. And then you have to shut it down. Yeah. I think about how bad I suck. And then the next day I'm like, these are all super manageable. They're I can not do this. the edits are not that big. Can like I can do this. There are writers literally listening to you going, Uh-huh. I need this right now. <laughs> cause because a lot of people don't like they don't have an opportunity to talk about the process, Mm-mm. particularly women of color. Right. Because we do get on these hitches where authentic and experience are different. Yes. But also, like, we think everything should be perfect when we give it away. Right. Because you work <laughs> twice as hard, half as far, etc. But it's true. Like, it's so scary. You know, with the Spider-Man book, I, and I think I said this on the Women of Marvel podcast, is like how terrifying it was to know that I couldn't share this with anyone before oh, I sent it to my you editor. you wouldn't have any feedback. No feedback. It went straight to the editor. And I was like, I've, I, you know, this is the first full length book I'd ever written was this book. Yeah. You know, and, you know, written short stories or whatever. But this is the first full length book I'd ever written. And it, it's shorter. It's a journal. I'm, I'm very lucky in that it's not like a strict novel. which would have been pages. So much harder. But it was the first thing I'd written beginning to end. And I was so nervous about sending this because, like, no one had read it. It's hard to edit your own work. You know, you could read a sentence three times and not realize you're missing the word the because you wrote it. And in your head, that word the is in there. right there. It's in there. What do you mean, does not there? Exactly. So I was like, I don't even know what errors are in this. Like, speaking of, like, just purely, like, things I meant to be in there that were not. Um, and that was very nerve-wracking. So what's the top five things you've learned oh. writing your like writing this first book? Um, I am terrible at outlining, but it is super helpful. <laughs> I don't like doing it, but it did make my life so much easier when I finally sat down and did it. Like if they hadn't asked for an outline, I don't know how I would have written this book. One. <laughs> One. <laughs> If you can, outline. I mean, obviously, this is different for every writer. Like, yeah. every writer has, like, their own process. And, and part of that process is learning what your process is. Um, and my process is, you know, I will outline, like, drag myself kicking and screaming into an outline because I, it will benefit me in the end. Um, two is just write. Like, don't get caught up in revising as you're writing because then you'll never get past page three. You always be like, there's actually a better way I could write that second sentence. And then you'll write that second sentence for like four days. Or four months. Or four months. Um, <laughs> but like really, like it, that was really hard. I would keep going back and re- rereading the like first like four or five pages that I was like, at first I was like, I love this. And then the next day I'd be like, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like really important to me to realize that like, no, I just have to like break through and just keep going. And if it's not perfect the first go around, like I can always go back at the end and like read through it again, you know. Um, And it doesn't have to be perfect before it goes to your editor. That's what an editor is for, to help you make it better. Like they're not going to judge you based on like even if it's a garbage first draft, they're not going to be like, well, now we don't want to work with you anymore. (laughs) Like they saw something in your work and they're excited about it. And that's something to like keep in mind when that like doubt is in the back of your head, you know, Mm -hmm. they you should have like a partnership with your editor. Um, and 
three. I know. I'm like, fah. (laughs) 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 What else did I learn? Um, I learned that any time that you can write, like if you have an idea, write it down because Mm. you will forget it. Yes. Like my phone is full of notes when I was like on the subway or I was like about to fall asleep of me being like, no, I got to get this note down. And it didn't always make sense, especially the ones where I was like falling asleep. (laughs) But I was always glad that I wrote it down. (laughs) Sometimes I was like, what does this mean? (laughs) Left foot. What was I trying to say here? What? They didn't even go to that country. (laughs) Speaking of which, number four is like, be okay with notes. Like, be okay with the comments that you get. I was so sad to delete this entire scene. (laughs) Because, like, the comment I got back was like, this doesn't make sense. They don't go here in the movie. I don't care. You wrote this whole scene around a joke. And I was like, I did, but I really like that joke. But it was a joke. It was so funny. All right, number five. Last one. Last one is hard because I think it's mostly about, and it's hard for everyone, but like kind of trusting in your in your instinct, which is difficult to yeah. do because I think we so often will question ourselves, but trust your gut. You know, the worst thing that can happen is they say, no, they don't like it. Yeah. But put it in and, and hope for the best. All right, quick prayer round. You yeah. ready? Oh, God, no. You got this. <laughs> I'm not ready, but go. I believe in you. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. What is your superpower? Being really excited all the time. Truth. <laughs> what is on your playlist right now? Lots of Bollywood, lots of musicals, and then literally anything Damon Albarn creates. <laughs> What are you most looking forward to to people reading your new book? I hope they laugh. I hope they like it. And I hope they love like Peter and Ned as much as I do. All right. Last question. Mm-hmm. What does storytelling mean to you? That's, a, that's like a deep question. That's not like a quick fire question. <laughs> storytelling to me is a way that you build empathy and you build understanding and you build validation all of which are important for every person to exist. You know, you need to empathize with people who aren't like you. Um, you should feel validated in your own self. And you should be able to understand enough to be able to connect with other people. And I hope that's what storytelling does. I think that's what good storytelling does. I love it. This is great. <laughs> ah, Yay, this is super fun. It. We did it. <laughs> And you kept from coughing for 90% oh, of it. Congratulations. I want to thank Preeti so much again for not only coming in and bringing all her amazing knowledge, but also coming in and just being a ball of amazing energy wrapped inside that brilliance. So thank you so much. And make sure you're checking out Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal. It's out right now. You can get it anywhere that books are sold. And also make sure you're checking out Preeti's other work. Uh, Obviously, she works in publishing and editing. We talked a little bit about that in the interview. But also make sure you're checking out her short story, 
Girls Who Twirl and Other Dangers, which was published in the anthology A Thousand Beginnings and Endings. And that's it. Make sure you're checking out um, all your favorite episodes of Marvel's Voices up right now, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And stay tuned for a bonus clip next Thursday, as well as an episode the Thursday after that. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.